0: Good morning and welcome to Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts, I'm Abby, And I'm Erica. Today, we're gonna to tell you about a case that was not only suggested by one of our listeners, but also happened in our home state. Thanks, Gerald S for the suggestion. Pour yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. We would like to give a brief warning before jumping into this episode as it deals with violent acts against young children and animals. We will not be going into extreme detail outside of what is necessary to get the story out there. We would advise listener caution for this episode. Our Daniel Osborne, who I'm going to refer to as Daniel for the story, met his wife Jane at the University of Kansas. And after the two got married, they continued to live in Kansas City, where Daniel worked for the Kansas City Star newspaper. Our story really begins, however, when 35-year-old Daniel and 34-year-old Jane decided that in April of 1983, they should move their two children, 11-year-old Benjamin and two-year-old Caroline, to the south side of Fort Wayne, Indiana, where Daniel would work as the editorial page editor for the local paper called The New Sentinel. Daniel felt that the schools and the community in Fort Wayne would be what was best for both Ben and Caroline. Unfortunately for this small family, their experience in this small town wouldn't go at all like they were hoping for. On the morning of Monday, September 19th, 1983, Spencer Stewart, the editor of the newspaper that Daniel worked for, sent a coworker to Daniel's home after Daniel did not show up to work and didn't call in, something that was very unlike him. The coworker arrived at the home, knocked a few times, got no answer, so he tried the door, realized the house was locked, and then went and looked through a window, and what he saw made him immediately dial 911. Through the window, he could see the deceased body of Jane Osborne on the first floor of the house. Cops arrived shortly after, and upon arriving, they found the bloody scene with the bodies of Jane and Daniel Osborne, their son Ben, and found little Caroline wandering around the home. Caroline was covered in blood and approached police saying, quote, Mommy and Daddy are sleeping, end quote. Daniel's body was found in his bedroom upstairs, lying in his bed with the family dog who had also been killed. Ben's body was found at the foot of the bed inside of his sleeping bag, where he'd been sleeping in his parents' bedroom. It's unknown why he was sleeping in his parents' bedroom, but since they were new to the town, it's possible that maybe he was still scared of his bedroom or... Maybe he'd had a nightmare at some point and had moved into his parents' room. It's not really known why.
1: I feel like it's kind of normal for kids to want to sleep in their parents' room. I know I always did.
0: Yeah, especially when you're to a new town. I mean, they've been there a few months, but it's, it's understandable. The police believed that the killer had broken into the home on Friday, September 16th, killed Jane, Daniel, and Ben, and then attacked Caroline, leaving her for dead and to wander around the home for two days. That's so sad that she was
1: just wandering
0: around the house
1: with her murdered family.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine how traumatizing that would be. There was a clock radio that was found near Jane that had bloody fingerprints on it, and they believed that that was the object that was used to kill Jane. There was also a tape-wrapped baseball bat found near Ben and Dan upstairs, which was believed to be the other murder weapon. Jane and Caroline had both been sexually assaulted. And Caroline required some sort of surgery after this. However, I couldn't find out what kind of surgery she had to go through. So Caroline survived? Yes, Caroline did survive. And after all of these events, she did go on to live in another state with some other family. And as far as I could find, she has not returned to Fort Wayne since then. I don't think I would either. It's understandable. This seems pretty traumatizing. Yeah. The coroner, Roland Albrand, released that the family was killed with a blunt instrument, which was believed to be both the radio and the bat that were found at the crime scene. There were no signs of forced entry in the home that the cops could find. The cops said that this was the worst murder scene that they had ever seen, and the coroner said that the murders were both bizarre and, at best, confusing. During the investigation, it was discovered that Benjamin was seen mowing the family's lawn about 7 p.m. Friday the 16th. It was also reported that Jane was on the phone with a family friend around 9 30 p.m. that night and didn't indicate to that friend that anything was wrong. For a long while after the murder the cops had no suspects. Everyone was just shocked that something this horrific could happen in their little town to such a sweet family. The cops investigated the home and the objects found in the home but they couldn't find any fingerprints that matched to anybody they knew at the time and when they took tried to find fingerprints on the baseball bat, they were unsuccessful in finding any that were worth testing. They had psychiatrists and forensic interviewers trying to talk with two-year-old Caroline to see if there was anything that she could tell them. But the only thing that they were able to get from her was that a light-skinned person hit her with his fist and shined a flashlight into her eyes.
1: Well, it wouldn't surprise me that they wouldn't be able to get a lot from a two-year-old who'd just been through these events. Even without the traumatizing event happening, young kids kind of tend to say the darndest
0: things. (laughs) They do. You could ask a two-year-old if they had steak for lunch and they could have had mac and cheese and they'll say yes to you. Very enthusiastically. (laughs) Yeah, very enthusiastically proclaim that they definitely had steak for lunch. (laughs) So a two-year-old shouldn't be expected to have this knowledge that they are asking her. A day or two before the deaths of the Osborne family, a man was attacked with a baseball bat in a nearby neighborhood. The 18-year-old man that was attacked was then questioned by police, hoping for some sort of lead in the Osborne killings. However, they didn't really get any information from him, and then the case didn't really go anywhere until January 6th, 1984.
1: The mystery has been solved. So please go to FireDeptCoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way.
0: On January 6, 1984, an 18-year-old man was arrested in connection to the beating and robbing of a 74-year-old woman at her home, which just happened to be down the road from the Osborne house. The man's name was Calvin D. Perry III, an African-American who lived within three blocks of the Osbournes and had a history of violence. He was tracked down by a police dog named General that followed his scent and footprints in the snow after the attack of the 74-year-old woman. While he was being interrogated that day, Mr. Perry confessed more than a dozen other felonies against multiple ethnicities, including rape, robbery, and murder. During the interrogation, a detective asked if there was anything else Calvin wanted to say. And to that, he replied, quote, I know what you're talking about. The big one, end quote. Referring to the Osborne killings.
1: Oh, so Calvin just
0: voluntarily confessed? According to the detective, yes. Over the next two days, he made long statements that were videotaped where he explained these confessions under oath and gave considerable details. Calvin said he chose the Osborne's house because the lights were on and he was looking for some sort of confrontation. He explained that he gently pried open the Osborne's door with a screwdriver, which after he admitted to this, it led police to finding the marks on the wood. However, these were only found after the confession as if you remember I had said that they had not found any like signs of forced entry until after he admitted to it. Oh, Calvin was also able to lead the police to the screwdriver that he claimed was used. And the screwdriver that he led them to did match the marks on the door of the Osborne home. Calvin also voluntarily took a polygraph test, which to me doesn't mean a whole lot because they're not super, reliable and as many people know they're not admissible in court i've not heard a lot of great things about them i
1: know that there's a lot of factors that can make it look like deception but really it's just nerves or
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm not sure like why polygraphs are a thing especially if they're not able to be used in court because It's just, it seems kind of like a waste of time and money sometimes. Um, But maybe there's some sort of thought process that the police have that I'm not quite understanding. On this polygraph, he gave his statement for the Osborne killings. Just a reminder, we're about to go into details of the crime, so please listen with caution. In an affidavit, police claimed that Perry confessed to the killings after waiving his rights to have an attorney present during questioning. The affidavit says Perry gave a detailed account saying he entered the home through the door found a wooden baseball bat in the basement and went upstairs to Daniel and Jane Osborne's bedroom. So he went in without a weapon. Yes. It sounds like he was not necessarily prepared for this, even if he had gone out looking for a home to attack.
1: I know earlier you mentioned that he just happened to choose the house randomly because the lights were on. Yes. So I think it's definitely
0: not completely premeditated, Yes, and no, I mean, there's some meditation, premeditation with it, but there's not necessarily a whole lot of thought that went into it. So the
1: crime itself was, but
0: not the victims, I guess. Yes. Mrs. Osborne awoke when Perry hit the family dog with the bat and killed it. He hit Daniel Osborne with the bat and then began raping Jane Osborne, according to the affidavit. At that time, Benjamin, who was sleeping in his parents' room, awoke and pleaded with Perry not to hurt them. He stated that he hit the boy two times in the head and then proceeded to rape Jane Osborne. The affidavit says that Calvin Perry told police that Mrs. Osborne started a fight with him and he struck her in the head with the bat numerous times and raped her after she lost consciousness. The affidavit said that Perry told police he lifted Caroline's nightgown and molested her. And that when she cried out she was hit in the eye and knocked down charges in the osborne case were filed seven hours after preliminary innocent pleas were entered for calvin calvin was officially charged with two counts of rape two counts of burglary and one count of child molesting on the morning of january 16th 1984 a day after he was formally charged with killing the osborne family he was found dead in his cell He was found hanging from bars on his window with a long piece of mattress cloth tied around his neck and his feet with his feet tied to his bed, hanging hammock style. There were notes left in his cell. One was written down on paper saying, I didn't kill nobody. And one was written on the cell floor in lotion stating, the good die young. So in this, he's claiming now that
1: he did not kill anybody. And also... He wrote on the floor in lotion?
0: Yes. I'm not sure where he got the lotion or why that was. That's odd. How he went about it, but especially when he wrote on another piece of paper saying, I didn't kill nobody. Yeah. But. The good Diane has to go in the lotion. Yes, apparently. The coroner, the same one that ruled the death of the Osborne family, Roland Albrand, said that there was no doubt that the death was a suicide. The coroner also believed that Calvin died around 6 a.m., with the last cell check being around 4 a.m. Calvin was not necessarily in solitary confinement, but he was kept alone in his cell at the county jail, which gave time and the ability for him to actually hang himself. He apparently left several long suicide notes, including one in which he asked several people for forgiveness. The names of the people that he asked for forgiveness were not released, though. Many people were very suspicious about Calvin's death. A lot of people felt like maybe somebody in the jail is actually, like he was actually murdered by somebody in the jail and that it wasn't actually a suicide, which is why the coroner came forward and said that he believes it was a suicide. Well, and I
1: wonder how often people hang themselves the hammock style.
0: Um, I've never heard of that before. It seems like it would be difficult, but the coroner did state that it is something that can happen. Okay. I just, I can't picture it in my head necessarily, like being able to do that. It definitely seems difficult. Because you would have to tie your feet first. hmm. And then. To the bed? And to then. To the
1: bed, and then ha- get up mm-hmm. to the window to. I'm having a hard
0: time picturing how that would work, I guess. The only thing I can think of is if the bed, and I don't know the layout of the cell but if his bed was close enough to the window where he could have been hanging off of his bed like standing on his bed basically tied his legs to it tied his neck to the window and then fell backwards oh okay is the only way i can can see see it happening okay so i guess it's possible i don't know how it's not something i've heard of before so it's not something that's frequently done his mother came forward and said that there was no way her son could have done it She actually said that the person that attacked the um, family had to have been big and buff. And she said that there's no way that her son could have done it when he's such a little thing standing at only five feet, six inches and only 140 pounds soaking wet. I mean, I can understand having doubts
1: because to subdue that many people with not, he didn't even have a knife or
0: a gun or anything, just the bat and clock radio. Correct. There's no indication that he had a knife or a gun in this situation. And even if they were (laughs)
1: sleeping when it happened, it seems like when he would have attacked whoever he attacked first, that would be loud.
0: Yes, which it said that the mom did awake after he had hit the animal. But a lot of times you see in cases where they go after the male first. Yeah. Because they can tend to overpower you. And in this one, he went after the woman first, which... He did say that he was looking for confrontation, so maybe he was hoping that the dad would wake up to it and then there would be some sort of scuffle. Seems risky. Absolutely.
1: Which I know you did mention earlier, maybe that was part of it for him.
0: It definitely could have been. I'm not sure. Since he committed suicide within 10 days after being arrested, they didn't really have, I mean, they were able to interrogate him, but I don't think that they had enough time to really get into necessarily the psychological whys behind it he was only 18 right correct
1: this seems like a young age to commit a murder to that um extent you think
0: um yes and no i mean if there's a lot of psychological stuff going on it has happened before it does happen but It doesn't, I mean, the age doesn't have a ton to do with it, but it is a very young age to commit suicide and, like, just kind of give up at this point, which maybe he saw no way out. Yeah. I
1: find it interesting that he confessed and then... Left a note saying that he didn't kill anybody.
0: Correct, which is something that really comes out and it's talked about quite a bit. His lawyers actually investigated it because a lot of people, including Calvin's priest who came to visit Calvin the day before he committed suicide actually said that he believed and a lot of people in Fort Wayne that are of the African-American ethnicity actually said that he was just targeted due to his race and that there was no way that he could have done it. And it was just because he was black and they actually like coerced the confession out of him. And the priest actually said the same thing, that he believed that it was not that Calvin did not commit suicide and he was coerced into confessing and then he was actually murdered. Oh, to keep it quiet. To keep it quiet. Yeah. So that it couldn't get out there that he was innocent and that they attacked him basically because of racial tendencies. Yes. So Calvin's lawyers apparently did investigate it and said that there was no evidence of coercion and the tapes showed him acknowledging six readings of his constitutional rights in the first three hours of the interrogation alone and that he refused legal counsel until the confessions were made. The tapes basically show the police asking Calvin to tell him his story and then he just goes on and tells it himself. I've not seen the tapes, but it was said that the cops just said, so what happened? And he just went on talking about it himself without them even asking questions to like egg him on with the story while he was giving his confession in these tapes it apparently shows that he was able to talk about many things in the house so he was able to correctly identify what the fridge looked like in the Osborne's house and details about the designs of the interior of each of the rooms in the home. Like, he was able to tell them vivid details. And there was no evidence of him being in their house prior to the... There nurse. was no evidence of that, no. And I don't know how much research they did into that, but I think once they had already connected him to the beating of the 74 year old woman that was in the same neighborhood there was that attack on the 18 year old which i i don't see anywhere where he was actually connected to that just that it was something that happened around the same time in a similar manner but he was able to tell 50 things about the house 50 details that's a lot and then they stopped counting Oh, so there was even more. So there were even more, but the officer, and I don't remember his name, said that there were 50 things that he was able to count, and then they just stopped counting altogether. While Calvin's mom said that there was no way that he could have done it, Calvin's dad actually admitted that he believes that the police could have the right man. Apparently, Calvin had not spoken to his dad since mid-August after Calvin had stolen a shotgun and some money from his dad. So they'd kind of been on some bad terms, but his dad actually also said, quote, over the years, I've seen a pattern develop in him that really leads me to the question of whether he killed the Osbournes, end quote. Wow, that's heavy. If your own dad believes you could commit a crime as heinous as the one on the Osborns, Oh yeah, that's absolutely, I mean, that would be hard, especially if you didn't do it, but yeah. There are two sides to every story, so you can choose which side you feel is the truth. However, keep in mind, we do have the verbal confession on tape of Calvin admitting to the crimes. For some, that is closure enough. Email us at crimeovercoffeepod
1: at outlook.com for questions or to suggest cases that you would like us to cover. Also, check out our Facebook at crimeovercoffeepodcast and our Instagram at crimeovercoffee.